For HBO's True Detective, the mystery continues to brew and distill. And also unravel with more disturbing secrets and also revelations with another doozy ending. How was it? Let's talk about it, but first... Let us begin. Cheers, everybody. Welcome to Bruce Hilde. I'm your host, Brandon, and for this episode of Bruce Hilde, I'll be recapping episode 4 of True Detective Night Country from HBO. The mystery is unfolding and Bruce still in a very unique way, as just like the last episode, this episode had another doozy of an ending. As we see detectives Danvers and Navarro solve a very complex and disturbing murder mystery in Ennis, Alaska, while being surrounded by days of darkness, with no sunlight in sight anytime soon. So I'll be recapping here, Bruce Hilde, but first, what beer my Preparing for this episode of Brazil and for True Detective Night Country Episode 4. That beer comes to us from Louisiana from Parish Brewing and it's called Reve Coffee Stout. An amazing craft beer to have for a true detective given its very complex nature and also being a very dark beer as well and a good excellent stout. Reve Coffee Stout from Parish Brewing is a silky smooth coffee stout that is created with a carefully selected blend of specialty grade coffee beans from Colombia and Java. Parish Brewing a collab with Rev Coffee Roaster create this unique and excellent coffee stout to highlight the true nature of the coffee beans and their origin to merge with the role of craft beer to make a coffee stout filled with intrigue and character. For the flavor notes, it comes with chocolate, coffee, toffee, and caramel. The ABV is a modest 6.8% in a 12-ounce bottle, and that's called Reve Coffee Stout from Parish Brewing. An excellent coffee stout to have while watching True Detective, but also on a cold winter day. Definitely do check it out. Okay, let's recap True Detective Night Country Episode 4 from HBO. If you've not seen the show and you want to watch the show, there will be spoilers. Ready? Well, here we go. For True Detective Night Country, the episode starts off on Christmas Eve. Here we see Danvers continue to watch Annie Kay's cell phone video in bed looking for clues of what might have occurred on that fateful encounter when Annie Kay disappeared. Yet she comes to standstill with no clues to be found. You can tell the case has taken a toll on Danvers as she checks on Leia as she sleeps while hearing the scream of Annie in her head. Danvers is also driving to meet with Pete when she finds a shirtless Julia nervously walking into town streets. She tries to get her coat after stopping, although Julia does resist at first. Danvers then calls Navarro for assistance. Navarro does arrive and picks up Julia and decides to take Julia to a lighthouse, a social assistance facility to assist Julia and her challenges with mental health. Later in the episode, Julia is in her room at the lighthouse as she sees the same orange, similar to what Navarro saw back in the Episode 3 roll out from under her bed. Julia then looks under her bed and sees an unknown body with an earring cross, which leaves Julia visibly shaken. For Danvers, she's back at police headquarters in Ennis, navigating a very complex challenge from Conley, who's now back in town. Conley expresses concern about the case, while Danvers believes he's more politically motivated. In a past episode, as in this one, Danvers has made a lot of comments about Conley wants to run for mayor. She also believes that the reason Conley is also there is only for one reason, and that is to look good for his future mayoral campaign. 
These are also comments that Conley himself has never really responded to. This could be because Conley, in my view, has his own skeletons in the closet that he doesn't want to see come out, as he may be involved in the disappearance of Andy Kay and probably knows more than he's letting on. For Pete, he finds a possible connection to Sal through Otis, who he first met back in episode 3. He informs Danvers about this back at the station, and it shows me a really good lead given Otis's past criminal history. Danvers then orders an APB for Otis, while also mentioning she'll inform Hank and a search party to look out for Otis. For Hank, we see a resolution about the Russian fiancé storyline that's actually really weird. We see him at the airport. We see Hank at the airport as the plane arrives. He sees a passenger's plane, and he then sees a woman, who might be this fiancé he's been talking about, who appears to almost exit the plane. She at first looks over at Hank, as Hank expected this much younger woman, and definitely is, maybe from Russia. She glances at Hank, and then mentions something to the ground crew member, before going back into the plane, leaving a rather emotionally upset Hank on a tarmac. Yet, we don't know if this is the woman Hank was talking to online, although it seems he did recognize her. It's also ambiguous, as it's never made known if this was woman or maybe just a flight attendant. Hank then goes back to the station and pours himself some Jim Bean bourbon to drink his sorrows away. Pete is also there, and he looks on and then asks Hank how the pickup went, and Hank replies that his fiance, who is now no longer around, may have poor cell phone reception as also tending to her sick mother, as way to cover up this botched meeting. You can tell though that Pete knows that Hank got catfished, but doesn't want to probe any further, but he does ask Hank if he ever sent her any money, and her Hank does dodge the question. But we all know this, Hank did send her some money, Money and got scammed. And Hank in this episode got catfished and we got her confirmation. But also though, could it be that woman was actually the woman and she didn't like what she saw in Hank? That's possible, but I think more likely that Hank did indeed get catfished and scammed. And the woman he saw on the plane was probably a flight attendant. For Danvers and Navarro, they go to meet Raymond, the same science teacher Danvers met earlier back in the season. It's almost a dark comedy scene as Danvers has Navarro knock on the door as Danvers doesn't want to be seen by the teacher's wife as Danvers once had an affair with Raymond, showing another example of Danvers' dysfunctional personal life in a town of Ennis. Danvers and Navarro then meet with Raymond, and they question Raymond to help him decode the symbol seen in Annie Kay's video, and he explains that they once belonged to the Moduck Bone. He also reveals that there's an ice cave near the Brooks Range that could fit the description of what they seek, but also tells him it's a very remote location and also very dangerous to go to without proper navigation. But Danvers and Navarro are also relentless, and they want to go there. For Navarro, she then visits Rose to talk about her life before she came to Alaska and her life at Travis or a very unique Christmas Eve dinner as you see a bond between Navarro and Rose given their shared beliefs. We also learn that Rose once had a different life before Alaska if she was a college professor. She tells Navarro that day came if she had enough and left for Alaska to start a whole new life. For Danvers, she's forced to release Leia from police custody after Leia vandalized her front doors of the Silver Sky Mining office after she vandalizes the building. They go home, and where Danvers and Leia have a fight, and Leia leaves home. Going back to Julia, she escapes from the lighthouse center after removing her clothes, walks to the outskirts of town, and drowns in the sea and dies for appears to be a suicide. Danvers and Leia then go on to fight in where Leia leaves, and Danvers is left alone to drink while reviewing the Annie Kay case alone. After reviewing the videos, Danvers finds that the light went off in Clark's video, and concludes that Oliver might have been involved in this case, as he once had access to the emergency generator at the South facility. She then calls Navarro by phone, while drunk, asking to go find Oliver and to take Pete with her, as Danvers is in no condition to do so. For Navarro and Pete, they go to that same remote camp that Navarro visited with Danvers back in episode 
episode 3 to visit Oliver and to question him. They look for Oliver in his residence, but he isn't there. But you see his coat and gun are still there as well, which is really odd, as if Oliver got up and left without any clothes. Yet they do find what appears to be a rock with the spiral logo on there, matching the tattoo found on Annie Kay's body, and also on Clark as well in his video. They then go outside to learn from fellow campmates that Oliver left a few days ago. Navarro does ask him about the rock with the spiral logo, but they do not respond. Navarro is then devastated when she gets a call from the Coast Guard telling her that Julia's body was found and that she has died after escaping the White House facility. Navarro then lets Pete go back to be his family for dinner. When Pete gets home, he has another contentious talk with his wife about the state of their marriage and his career as a police officer. Given the work he's done for Danvers in this case, it's safe to say that his professional ambitions conflict with needs of his own wife and son. Danvers then visits Conley to talk about his own plans, which doesn't end well. In their really contentious talk, Conley admits to Danvers that he believes her behavior worsened since the death of her son. This causes Danvers to leave in anger as the death of her child is a chapter in her life that still haunts her. As Danvers drives off in anger, she goes off the road avoiding an accident which could have been fatal, and she then sees a one-eyed polar bear in the middle of the road. This is also the same polar bear that Navarro saw back in episode 1. Danvers and the bear make brief eye contact before the bear walks away. Angry about the death of Julia, Navarro goes to the lighthouse and confronts the office staff for not checking in on Julia. After Navarro leaves, she stops by the road to fight the same man she once arrested back in episode 1. Although she's brutally beaten in the fight, she goes to see Quavik for help and he tends to her wounds. But I can't help but think that Quavik is hiding something here. He seems like a nice guy, a good lover for Navarro, but I think Quavik knows more about this case than he's also letting on. The following morning, Navarro visits Danvers to tell her about Julia's death. She believes this to be a curse that eventually come back to haunt her. Danvers is also skeptic, while Navarro is also believer about the paranormal. Navarro then sees the one-eyed polar bear toy that once belonged to Danvers' deceased son, and she asks Danvers about it. Danvers gets very defensive about this, and doesn't answer Navarro's question as she throws the polar bear toy outside. They then get a message from Pete, showing a photo that could be new lead on a case about a man wearing Annie's parka near a remote dredging machine who is once seen walking. Danvers and Navarro then leave after Pete's report to the dredging machine. They believe it to be the place where Clark is hiding, but upon arrival they find it's actually Otis. They find Otis as they pursue him in the facility. Danvers then gets separated from Navarro as Navarro sees something that gets her own attention, leaving Danvers to chase Otis by herself. Navarro then follows a voice as she hears it in her head, and she sees or thinks she sees Julia floating in the water below her. She then sees or thinks she sees wet footprints leading down a long corridor, reminding her of the corridor that Julia's room was located at over at the lighthouse. Danvers then finds Otis and questions him. Otis avoids Danvers' questions, but does mention that Clark went back down to hide while Navarro is visibly shaken after encountering a woman near a Christmas tree at the dredging plant. Otis then tells Danvers that Clark left for the night country, and he then says, they're all in it now. And that's how the episode ends. Okay, so now we're just two episodes away from the end of the season for True Detective Season 4, Night Country. How does it all end? I don't know personally, and I do wonder just what is behind this unique and also disturbing mystery with Annie Kay, the scientist, this mining facility, the town itself, and also who's involved. There is so much going on in this season, and I love the story. It's a great storyline, and also I love how Jodie Foster and Kaylee Rays betrayed Danvers and Navarro for a very unique combo of detectives with their own unique perspective, talents, and skills, but their own personal demons that they navigate is rather conflicting and sometimes volatile dynamic they have in this season. But also, how they pull through in this season and how they solve 
solve the mystery because this episode, just like the last one, had another doozy ending. I mean, the ending was wild, just like the last one, but not as wild, but also intriguing enough to make me look forward to episode 5. For two episodes left to go, there's a lot that's got to be resolved and also solved with this mystery, and I still wonder just who is involved with the disappearance of Annie Kay, and I still wonder just exactly who was involved with the murder of Annie Kay and the missing scientist. I think it's going to be this. I think Clark is definitely involved, but I definitely do think that Hank is also hiding something as well. And also that mining company executive that also hates Danvers as well, who we saw in this episode, I think she's also partially to blame as well, and it's also hiding something as well, as her company has also been polluting the water in the town of Ennis. Something that Danvers clearly knows about. So, there are a lot of bad people in this season who are also involved in their own really bad thing, such as murder, disappearance, or also polluting a town's water supply. But also, is it all connected? I definitely think so. That there is what Navarro does believe, and I think Navarro is correct. But also for another observation in this episode, just like all the other ones in the season so far, that is, the supernatural and the psychological battle. Is there supernatural elements at play, or is it all psychological? That there we don't know yet, but probably could be a combination of the two. Here's why I think there's a supernatural element at play. That one-eyed polar bear, the live one, and the stuffed toy, has a connection to both Danvers and Navarro, that only they can see it, and it touches the nerve on the two of them. I think that there's also supporting evidence that there's also a supernatural element at play in this season. What it is, and what the connection is, we do not know yet. For Danvers, we all know, it involves her now deceased son. But for Navarro, what's the connection with the one-eyed polar bear? That there really hasn't been resolved yet, and also remains an unanswered question for this season. And also for Navarro, what she saw at the ending, over at the facility, by seeing the ghost of Julia, the footprints, and also that woman that also touched the nerve of Navarro, when Navarro saw that woman. That there also could be supernatural as well, and so far I think it is. There is something about Navarro and Julia in this season, even though Julia is no longer with us, and quite sadly so, she had another supernatural connection just like Navarro did. They both saw that orange. Navarro saw it back in episode 3, and Julia saw it in this episode. What is the power behind that orange, and how significant is it to the storyline? So far I believe, it's a calling to something. It's something that's calling out to both Julia and Navarro, and now Navarro, given that Julia died in this episode. I definitely do believe there is a paranormal and supernatural element at play with the mystery around that orange that is probably a symbol of something or someone calling out to Navarro and Julia. Remember back in the last episode, Amber Lund told Navarro that her mother is waiting for her, probably in the afterlife. Did Julia join her in the afterlife? If so, could Navarro be next? I think it's probably a stretch to say that, that Navarro would join her mother in the afterlife and die in this season. It's probably too much to say right now, and probably a very far-fetched conclusion to come to, but maybe, just maybe, Navarro could be next. And maybe she's seen the signs that her time is coming. Plus, there could be a connection between the death of Danvers' son and also Navarro, which is how they both know about the one-eyed polar bear. That was another theory I have at the moment. But also, maybe she won't, but if she doesn't, what is the power behind that orange, and who is trying to call out to Navarro? Is it her mother, as Lund said so back in episode 3 at the ending? Also, for Danvers and Navarro, 
Navarro. Their dynamic was also more widely explored in this episode. It was more conflicting, but also showed more of them getting along in this episode at the right moment. But I think in the end though, the dynamic between Danvers and Navarro will always be volatile, as you always have these separate beliefs that conflict in their quest to solve this case. Here's the thing though, Danvers and Navarro have each other, and that's all they have right now to solve this case. Pete is their resource, but Danvers and Navarro are out in the field solving this case. It's gonna be them that gets to the bottom of this mystery, and they'll solve it. How it ends for them remains to be seen. And that leads me to my next question, and that is, is Danvers on her way out as police chief? That there could also be a possibility as well. And maybe Pete could probably rise up in a department and one day take her place. He right now is her MVP. He's getting all the clues, getting all the information, finding the right information, also finding the right sources for Navarro and Danvers to talk with that maybe Pete comes out the winner in the end of this season and probably has a better future and a brighter one in the Ennis Police Department despite the fact his home life is also a major disaster. For my final thought in this episode, this whole season takes place during Christmas time but also doesn't feel that way but a Christmas theme is also making itself more known especially in this episode and that there's kind of like it's not a distraction but it feels like a really weird dark Christmas but also there's been darkness for the past few days in this season. So the Christmas theme did stand out in this episode in particular with the dynamics with the family lives of the characters Danvers, Navarro, and Pete. But also, it stood out more in this scene, so we'll probably see less of it in episodes 5 and 6, given Christmas Day might come in episode 5, and probably episode 6 will be free of the Christmas influence. The Christmas theme in this episode was kind of unique, not a distraction, but also kind of more in the background. It was made more known in this episode, and the Elf movie starring Will Ferrell was always on in this episode, and I wondered that there is also another connection as well, just like what we saw from Ferris Bueller's Day Off from Episode 1. So that there are my thoughts in Episode 4 for True Detective Night Country, but Episode 5 brings, we shall see, along with Episode 6. Now, Episode 5 is going to come out this Friday, and I'll be in San Francisco for a beer week at the opening gala along on Saturday. So I'll watch the episode when I get back from beer week, most likely this coming Sunday, and I'll try to stick to normal recording schedule and a release schedule as well. So please stay tuned for a recap of episodes 5 and 6 when the time comes. For now though, that is where I'll leave it, and that should do for me in this episode of Bristilled. Please do tell your friends and family about this podcast, and please rate this podcast on your Zard Podcast directory, as feedback is always appreciated. Also check out this podcast over on Instagram at Bristilled Podcast over on Instagram. Please stay tuned for my recaps of True Detective Night Country, and also my recap of the Super Bowl, and also got a Super Bowl preview episode coming later this week with Super Bowl storylines and the beers that go with them. Please stay tuned for NFL coverage, craft beer content, guest interviews, and the conclusions of True Detective, Night Country, and other topics of interest. Please do enjoy us good beer, bourbon, whiskey on this winter season. I'm Heroes Brandon. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you next time. And until then, be brewed and be the still, folks. Cheers. Ah!